Welcome to Behind the Curtain, where we discuss everything from aliens and conspiracies to ancient history and religions, all from a biblical perspective. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be episode three, Names and Nuances, part two. And we are covering spiritual beings named in the Old Testament. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun because you're probably familiar with the passages we're going to discuss today, but you might not have ever thought about it this particular way because we live in a different world from the time of the uh, from the time that the Bible was written. So it's going to be interesting. Um, If you're not following us on Instagram, go follow us right now at Behind the Curtain PC. And uh, you can also reach us by email if you want to send us a question. Just put question in the subject line. The email address is behindthecurtainpc at gmail.com. And we're already collecting questions. We got a couple on Instagram last week, and we're looking into those. And we're going to use y'all's questions for future episodes. So send them in. We hope to hear from you. And here's today's episode. Enjoy. So I think what we should do now, because we we've brought up the term El and El Elyon, we just mentioned pantheons and Sumerian culture, and we mentioned the sons of God a little while ago. So I think what we should do now is um, maybe kind of go into some of these terms. And again, this is where it's going to get kind of fun because it's fun for us because we're nerds. Like we like grammar and we like this kind of stuff. But- I sucked at English too. <laughs> I did so bad, but I'm like, Ooh, Hebrew. Yeah. But this is like history and all that. So Lord. Um, but anyway, so hopefully, you know, our listeners, uh, you know, you, you may be like Josh, you might've been very bad at grammar in school, but hopefully you'll find this interesting because we want to bring some of the nuance and context of these older passages. So like, for instance, we were talking about this a little while ago that there are divine beings named all throughout the old Testament that you miss when you read it in English. And we're going to circle back eventually to that sons of God thing, because Josh mentioned that a little while ago. So again, this is all, this is all stuff that doesn't really affect our Christian theology, like as how we understand the gospel and all that, but just showing you that the the old Testament is more colorful than what you might understand if you're reading it in English, you know, and and we're going to build up to Genesis three, the fall of man. We're going to talk about Genesis six, the flood. And so we want to kind of build, show you that there's this kind of colorful, spiritual world, very active spiritual world in the Old Testament, uh, and kind of build that foundation when we get into those those topics. I don't have it in front of me. The passage that talks about uh I can find it. You know where you know where I'm going? No. Uh, <laughs> but I can find the it. The one that talks about Lilith. But here's what happens is you get these prophecies that they prophesied the destruction of Babylon and the restoration of Israel. And they say that Babylon would be a place for wild animals. It'll be inhabited by wild animals. That's what I was and thinking. Wolves, the animals stuff. They yeah. say like wolves, goats, and then it says ostriches or it says owls. I think mm-hmm. one of them is owls. Yeah. And, uh, nah, like it says like the, the screech best. owl. Well, the screech owl, the Hebrew word there is Lilith. And there is a kind of a, uh, inference there that that is actually a demon. That's not a, that's not just an owl. You know, and the word for goat there is Seder, which could also be a, a spiritual being. And so they're saying that they're not just saying like, oh, it's going to be desolate and it's going to be inhabited by all these wild animals. They're they're naming 
demons. And so uh, it's saying that it's going to be a place for the dead. It's going to be the place for the unclean. It's going to be totally abandoned. Okay. Hey, that Lilith passage is in Isaiah 34, 14. Okay. Okay. And it's talking about the screech owl. There's, there's, there's a pretty good bit of information on it. You can check that out. It's pretty, pretty interesting. The Seder passage, when it's talking about the goats, is in Isaiah 13, 21. Yeah. But yeah, the word there is Seder. And if you don't know what a Seder is, you think of like, he's half man, he's half goat, which we're going to talk about those oh, things. pan. Yeah, we got to talk about pan later. So, right. Jeez, uh, that's so much stuff yeah. in that so area. So I do but. think... It, I might be misunderstanding, but I think the word Seder does get used sometimes for just regular goats. Like I think when they sacrifice right. animals, they, they call them Seders. I could be wrong, but in these passages where they're talking about the destruction of Babylon and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we, we can kind of make that jump logically that that is not just a, a goat. <clears throat> you know? Right. And here I'm looking at some, some, uh, some commentary stuff, but, uh, the Greek mythology of the goat character in the Seder is he's actually a demon. Yeah. He's a goat demon, yeah. um, that he's an entity. Um, and he's associated with, um, like sexual perversion. And, stuff. and that's where we get a lot of our modern day, like devil imagery. Yeah. The, the, the horns, horns and the, you know, the goatee and the, the, split the, hoof, the goat and feet and the tail and all that, that comes from Greek mythology of pan. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also where we get words like panic and, and stuff. Panic, it's, yeah. He, he would strike uh, fear like, in people. seems like the story is that if you caught him sleeping and you woke him up, he would, like, scream and do something. And yeah, well, there was a, there was a, I can't remember who was saying this. It might have been Timothy Alberino, but he was talking about Pan. Uh, if you didn't sacrifice to him at this certain time and place, which, uh, if you didn't sacrifice to him, he would come down and he would go throughout the village and scare people and, and strike fear into people. And that's where that word panic came from. Yeah. yeah. Just think about that next time you jump out from behind a corner to scare your wife or something. Yeah. You think it's funny. You're, yeah, you're indulging in a <laughs> pagan ritual. Uh, yeah. It was April Fool's a whole different spin, huh? April pan. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then kind of going back to Psalms 91 is the one that talks about the Error that flies by day, the terror, the pestilence. Yeah, let me find. Night. Let me find Heiser's thing on that because that is. But it is insane. it is interesting because we we quote that today about you know for healing for diseases and like I, I know during like we're talking about the war in Ukraine and COVID and there's all there's over the last couple of years there's all these crazy things going on and people quote this passage and I think that that's a good example of what we were talking about earlier that 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 is a good way to apply this it does encourage us it does build our faith in the Lord and the Lord does act on these things when we pray them. But reading it in English, you lose the nuance there that these are actually Sumerian. I think they're Sumerian deities. Yeah. Dude, that one, dude, and it is insane in the original language. It's nothing about what we think. Yeah, it's, it's actually quoted. So we mentioned the Dead Sea Scrolls earlier. That psalm is in a category of exorcism prayers. Yeah, and Heiser kind of wraps it up. In, I mean, he he has a whole lecture on it. Um, it. You can look it up. It's called Demons, Entities, and the Messianic Profile, which is like the coolest name ever. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. But he gets a lot of this information from a book called DDD, right? which is the Dictionary Dungeons of Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> Dictionary of Dungeons and Dragons. The Dictionary of Deities and Demons. Uh, it's a scholarly work that records all of the spiritual... Uh, demonic and angelic stuff going on in the Bible, and it catalogs it for you. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so 
it's just interesting how this, this is just an encouraging passage that people will recite or pray or whatever. And it, again, it does encourage us, but um, man, you, you lose that nuance that it's, it was listed as like, they would pray this for exorcisms. They would pray this over people they thought had evil spirits. They would say that the Lord would protect you from the arrow that flies by day. That was the name of a God or a demon. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, and, yeah. and it's, I love how it's covering both times. It's like, well, there's demons that get you in the day and there's demons that come get yeah, you at night, awesome. you know? Yeah, and then the whole idea of like the succubus and the incubus. I mean, I'm sure yeah. everybody's listened to incubus uh, once or <laughs> twice in a while, but they're named after demonic night spirits. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's, there's, you know, there was that one that would come for males and one that would come for females and it would torment you. And yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that stuff. That's what's going on in the minds of the Bible writers. You know, you have to think that stuff through to really understand what they're writing about. Yeah. So, um, so now getting into some of the, okay, like we mentioned Deuteronomy 32 mm-hmm. and we mentioned uh, the sons of God. So yeah. we, we've talked about spirits and demons and we have a very colorful world in the Old Testament that we miss out when we read it in English, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of these other beings that the, that the, the Bible the, these seem to actually have an effect on the history of mankind. Uh, you read Deuteronomy 32 that earlier, or you mentioned it, and it says, when, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, he divided mankind according to the number of the sons of God. Right. But the Lord's portion, uh, hit, the Lord's portion was Jacob, was Israel. So um, you have so, this image that, that was Yahweh's territory. And it's significant that think about this, Abraham and Sarah could not have their own kids. They, they only were able to have descendants by a miracle of the Lord. So he created his own nation out of nothing. Right. And then all these other nations are under these sons of God. Right. So and it kind of the scenario is almost set up as like, dude, this is so cool. I mean, at least in my mind is like, God is giving these nations gods to preside over them and he's saying okay here's your here's your stuff yeah now i'm gonna get my stuff yeah and we're gonna see who's victorious um almost like a challenge uh and you go to psalm 82 is where a lot of this stuff really mm. branches off um so psalm 82 is a psalm of asaph and this this is the scripture that really it's paradigm shifting if you really read it and really try to understand it and see what it says it's, it's revolutionary. All right. So verse one, Psalm 82, God stands in the midst of, or in the assembly of L. So we talked about that word L. What does it mean? It means God, or it can mean gods. So God stands in the assembly or in the midst of the gods in the midst of the gods. He renders judgment. So what is going on? Okay. So how can God stand in the midst because I've heard people say, Oh, well, this is the Trinity. He's standing in the, you know, the assembly in the of midst his, of himself. Yeah. The <laughs> midst of his Trinity, you know, the father, the son, and the spirit, but he's, he's rendering judgment. They're like drinking coffee together and like talking about the day. Yeah. Now you don't stand in the midst of yourself. Yeah. Um, so he's standing in the midst of other things. These other L these other Elohim is the word that's used and he's rendering judgment. So, if it's the Trinity, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, we have a paradox there. <laughs> now he's rendering judgment on himself slash the Trinity? No. He says, how long will you make unjust legal decisions and show favoritism to the wicked? So in my mind, reading this, 
he's standing in the midst of other gods that he has created and that he has given, which we'll read here in a little bit. He's given a portion of the earth too to reign and rule over in a certain ranking system, not to just take control over everything, but Hey, I'm giving you this portion. I'm giving you this portion like we see in Deuteronomy 32. And it says that he's rendering judgment on them now because they're ruling unjustly. They're showing favoritism to wicked people. And he tells them, he says, defend the cause of the poor and the fatherless, vindicate the oppressed and suffering, rescue the poor and the needy, deliver them from the power of the wicked. So that, that's a really interesting, um, like when you read it that way, because again, if we have locked in our minds that Christianity and Judaism are monotheistic, which means there's only one God, right? these other beings should not exist. And so the, the point is that, you know, I, I mentioned this in the last episode, is that um, I hear atheists say this all the time, well... I don't believe in this many gods. You only believe in one. So that means you don't believe in that many gods. Right. And, and never once have I heard any apologist respond to that by saying, I don't care if there are multiple gods. The Bible says that there are, you know, um, because I think that that's a door people don't want to open. Right. Cause you, I can, well, why, you know, why is, why is reading this and seeing God standing in the midst of other gods? So jarring to yeah. us. And his, so, to your point, you see this imagery in other passages. So like think about Job 38, where it says that, you know, he talks about uh, creating the world and the measurements and determining the, the borders of the ocean and stuff. And it says that the, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Yeah. So that cannot be, you know, we said earlier, sons of Israel. There were no humans when God created the earth. They're just angels, Ryan. They're just angels. You don't understand. The yeah. sons of God and angels, they're the same thing, right? So maybe we should talk about the word angels then. Yeah, we should talk about the word <laughs> angels, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, angels, which is the Greek word angelos. Yeah, right? and I think, well, there's a distinction between those two things. There's a distinction yeah. between sons of God and there's a distinction between what an angel is. Yeah, I think that the, so in my mind, the way to, make sense of it is that angel is more of a job description. Yeah. There's what a thing is and there's what a thing does. Like we are human, right? Yeah. That's what we are. Yeah. I am a human graphic designer. I am a human father, you know? And so there's things that you are and then there's things that you do. So, and so what does the word angel mean? Angel is the, is describing what it does. It's it's, it's function. So angel means sent one. So Jesus is called an angel in certain passages because he was sent by the father. Yeah. It's a messenger, right? It's a messenger. It's somebody who's carrying a message on behalf of someone else, usually a deity, a God. Um, but yeah, the sons of God are different. That's B'nai Elohim. That's sons of the most high. Right. Uh, and that's, that's a, that's a different description. Um, and then that's also that phrase is lumped in with Elohim. Which yeah. Elohim, when you break that down, you know, I was taught, I went to Bible college. I went to Bible college. No, <laughs> no but, uh, you know, and, and I didn't learn any of this. I was taught that Elohim, oh, it means God. You know, big G God. Yahweh. Yeah. That's what it means. Every single time. And then when I start reading and I hear other guys telling me, well, no, that's not, I mean, it can mean that. Yeah. But that's not all it means. And then you read stuff like, this blew my mind. When Samuel's spirit is conjured up out of the earth from the witch at Endor, tell me that doesn't sound like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, even Endor is one of the planets (laughs) planets in Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so Saul is the king at this time, and he wants to talk to Samuel, who's passed away. He's a pro- he was the prophet um, that he didn't really listen to very much, but he was like, I'm going to go and consult a witch. But it was against the law. He had made it against the law to talk to mediums. So he disguises himself. He goes and he meets with this witch. And he was like, hey, I need to call 1-800-SAMUEL, and can you reach him for me? She was like, yeah, sure. So it says that she goes off and does whatever she does. It doesn't, doesn't tell us what she does to communicate, but it says that she brings up the spirit of Samuel. Where yeah. did he come from? What was he like? Oh, that's insane. Yeah. And he even, does, he even asked her, he's like, okay, is that Samuel? She says she described him. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's Samuel. So she was able to call up a spirit of a dead human and bring him up that she could see him and they could communicate. Yeah. That's biblical. And people say that stuff is made up. Right. Yeah. Now that's biblical. It's in the Bible. And so the, what I'm getting at is it says that when he asked her, what do you see? She said, I see an Elohim coming out of the ground. Yeah. And she was talking about the spirit of Samuel. So Elohim doesn't mean just God, Yahweh. It really means spirit or any member of the spiritual realm. Like we would say human, you know, for the inhabitants of earth. Yeah. So yeah, that word, that word Elohim is very nuanced. It's very packed so it's with a, a lot of meaning. It's essentially a spirit without a, like a carnal, that's like not a in, fleshly that's body. not embodied. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, dude, another easy example of that is Deuteronomy 32, where we've already been. It talk, it says that they sacrifice to gods who are not God, but unto demons or devils, depending on what translation you read. Right. And it, so it says you sacrifice to Elohim who are not, and it, it uses El or Eloah or something, another uh, word for big G God. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, El, it says you sacrifice to gods, Elohim who are not gods who are not Elohim. So, so it's just a word for a, a spirit. Angels are called Elohim. Right. And some at some times. Yep. So you have God, the, the Hebrew word for angel, by the way, angel is from the Greek word, but Malak is the Malak, yeah. is the uh, yeah, messenger. Hebrew word for messenger. Right. So, um, so it's just a job description. Um, uh, one of the big kind of uh, hot topics And you know, there's right different now. types of angels. Sorry. Uh, the, you know, there's cherubim, there's seraphim, oh, yeah. there's yeah. archangels described. There's just so many different kinds of angels. So, yeah. yeah. Um, an, another one that, well, I don't know if we want to go there today, but I was thinking about in Job. Go. In Job, where it talks about the, the oh yeah, Satan. the sons of God presenting it, themselves yeah, to God. It says the sons of God presented themselves. Right, so there's this right. council, and then and then one of the things that people always struggle with is the word Satan in there, where the traditional belief is that that is right. actually Satan. Right. And then lately, it's gotten very popular to kind of push back on that. I've seen so many people do videos and things about this. Yeah. But that it's Hasatan, that it's the yeah, Satan. Yeah, in the Hebrew, it's Hasatan. And yeah. so. You know, again, not not saying any belief is wrong because so it doesn't good. it doesn't it doesn't right, change right, our right. belief about Christ and the gospel. Sure, no. You know, this is kind of splitting hairs, right. but people who believe that that's Satan, the devil, yeah. kind of have to explain why he's in God's presence after the fall. Right, and uh, and that's always kind of a fun <laughs> fun discussion. How, yeah. to, how what's he doing there? And I and I'm not you know we don't we don't want to sit here and criticize people either, but we just want to say like there's more to this. The, the word Satan, there or is. the Satan. There's the, more behind the curtain. More behind the curtain. <laughs> the way that that word is used in Job, it's used multiple times in the Old Testament. And right. 
usually does not refer to deities. Right. Like, well, like Kaiser David, says, it's, it's, not a, it's not a proper name. Yeah. Satan is not a name. It, we're going back to like titles it's and functions. Title, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a job so it's, function. It's an, it's an adversary or an accuser. An and accuser, he's called that. Somebody that comes against. He's called that because he is the antagonist in right. the book of Job. Right. And so um, it's interesting. Heiser also, uh, or I, I don't remember what he was referencing. He talks about how there's passages that mention the eyes of the Lord roaming to and through, oh, strengthening yeah, those that serve him, strengthening yeah. the righteous. Right. And he said that, uh, that there are uh, some schools of thought that say that that is a job title, eyes of the Lord, mm. that not that the, the Lord doesn't know things, right? He knows everything, right? but it is the job of some angels or some beings to roam the earth and like basically report like messengers back yeah, to God. Yeah, definitely. And it says that they roam the earth and what they strengthen the righteous. They strengthen those that are faithful to the Lord. Right. Right. So, um, and then you have to think about all the, like the different types of literature yeah. that's in the Bible. There's figurative. There's, I mean, not everything is literal. Like yeah. if you read the Bible completely literal, you're going to, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that idea that they roam the earth in Job, when, when Satan appears or the Satan, however you want to read it, when he appears before the Lord and the Lord says, where have you been? And what have you been doing? He says, I've been going up and down to and fro yeah. across the earth. Right. And so people link that idea with the eyes of the Lord, that yeah. his job was to survey right. what was going on on earth. Good. God and he is was sending, checking up on Job. Sending an angel. Yeah. It's part of his, yeah. his messenger company here. Go down, search the earth. Because this is the thing. Like, like God can do all this stuff himself, right? Like he doesn't need an angel to go and survey the earth for him. Right. He doesn't need us to go and preach the gospel. He could do whatever he needs to do on his own. But what does he do? He chooses to use angelic beings. He chooses to use human beings. He chooses to use those things because he wants to partner with us. He wants to be in a family with us. He wants to be friends with us and let us participate. It's like when I bring my kids to work. Or if I'm letting my kids join in something that I'm doing, I don't need their help. Yeah. Like I don't need like my daughter's help to cook eggs in the morning, but I want her to participate and I want her to learn, you know, what, yeah. what how it is to cook. And so, well, yeah, that, it's kind of like that. That idea of using the, the article, like the Satan, it, the same thing happens with Adam in the book of Genesis. Cause you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about God now having a family and incorporating other beings in it. Well, he, he, you know, think about in Psalms, it says that you made man a little lower than the angels, right? Yeah. Well, the idea was that Adam was going to steward the earth. And we'll, we should get into this uh, next week because I think we're going to talk about Genesis 1 through 3 probably. Let's do it. Um, but you, you get all the way through Genesis chapter 3 almost before Adam is a proper name. Mm. It's the man for most of the, the man. It says in Genesis chapter one, Dude, Adam was the man. He was the man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, people, people kind of abuse that. They, they use that to say like, Oh, co-atomism, pre-atomism yeah. or, you know, There's maybe a lot of fun stuff there too. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whole idea of like the Hasatan. So it, what we're talking about in, in Job is when these sons of God come and present themselves and it's like this, okay, report to me what's going on. You know, I've hired you to do this job, angels to go down and search the earth and see it report back to me. And so this is the the host coming back and reporting back to him. Yeah. But it says there's an adversary in yeah. the midst that comes up and he says, check out Job, bro. Yeah. Look at Job. Dude, later in Job 2, um, in Job also, not Job chapter 2, uh, 
when I think it's Eliphaz, one of Job's friends is giving a speech and there's twice in the book of Job where he mentions that God doesn't trust his holy ones. And uh, people refer back to like Genesis six or right. This Deuteronomy 32 thing where the sons of God are, I am hurt. ready to get into Genesis six. <laughs> I know bro. that's what you're waiting for, but Psalms 82, you mentioned Psalms 82 where he's standing among the gods issuing judgment. Right. And then stuff like Genesis six, where there's the debate over those sons of God, are they humans or whatever? Are they angels or humans? But uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the view in the old Testament that there are angels that, that work for God and that rebel, just like, Humans sure. work for God or rebel, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I feel like we've kind of been all over in this episode. That was uh, a fun general discussion of, uh, you know, the spirit realm. And and I will recommend, of course, Dr. Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. Uh, it's a bestseller. It's, yeah. it's highly, He's highly got, regarded. That's a very scholarly book. It's got long footnotes it's and very stuff. very scholarly. If, he, um, if your glasses are thick, you're going to want to order that book. <laughs> the other one is Supernatural. That's the more... Right, right. That one's a little more tolerable, a little more uh, palpable it. for uh, normal people. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so we man, we covered so much. I feel like we could have done this for another hour, but Sons of God, we talked about angels, and yep. we didn't cover demons at all. Uh, that's going to come up. a whole up. lot, yeah. That's going to come up in the future, too, but demons are another one that, you know, they have a role. Right. And demons are just fallen angels, right, Ryan? To be continued. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's different different types of demons. That's the we'll, only way I can say we'll that. We'll talk about it. We'll peek yeah. behind that curtain when it comes. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> a fun one. Uh, but anyway, if you sat through the whole episode, <laughs> thank you. Uh, we uh, we we kind of jumped all over with this one, but yeah, the the that was fun. Just to sum up, the way that we'll close this way to say that when Paul and other, other people in the, in the new Testament, when they say, uh, you know, you're misunderstanding the gods and you should worship the one God, Yahweh, the Lord that sent his son, Jesus, they're not threatened by the idea of multiple gods. No, not at all. They are pointing the earth. They are pointing people back to the one true God. Definitely. And so, um, we're going to tackle Genesis starting probably next week. Cool. And we're going to start seeing that story unfold about, uh, divine creatures and humans rebelling and uh, yeah i think genesis is the launching pad for all of the bible like it's not the first book written but it's it's definitely the one that goes back and, and gives us all the historical context and origin anyway again thank you guys for joining us uh follow us on instagram if Thanks you haven't for joining us at uh at behind the curtain pc PC for podcast. PC for podcast. And uh, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Tell, tell, your, your, tell your grandma. Yep. See all ya. right. We'll catch y'all next time. All right. Well, Josh and I really enjoyed that discussion. We hope you did. I just want to highlight again that uh, that idea that Paul was using the Greek philosophy and um, their Greek poetry against them, saying that it was time for them to stop serving these false gods and turn to the one true God, um, is reflected in Psalms 82, which we talked about. Psalm 82 ends by saying, Arise, O God, and judge the nations, for you shall inherit the whole earth. And so we know that Jesus Christ died so that we could be forgiven of our sin, but there's also a 
a global aspect to it that he defeated the powers of darkness and is drawing the nations back to him. He told his disciples, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and win souls and make disciples. So, so that's what you see Paul doing there. We hope you'll join us for the next episode when we start on the book of Genesis because we're going to discuss the fall of man and we're going to set up for uh, Adam and Eve in the Genesis 3. So we're going to start by covering Genesis 1 and 2 in the next episode. So if you have questions about those passages, send them in to us. You can message us on Instagram at BehindTheCurtainPC or you can email us behind the curtain PC at gmail.com and just put question in the subject line. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to hearing from you guys.